From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been uh, watching recently, I think. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth, and this week we are talking the most Baz Luhrmann movie not directed by Baz Luhrmann, the most John Waters movie not directed by John Waters, uh, Bears on Drugs, Haunted Houses, Worms, and R.I.P. to our bestie. <sighs> we you knew know. it was coming. We did. We called it. It's, it's so... Does it, but that's, okay, well, I won't talk about it now, but, ugh. Um, also, I, I gotta start off the show with Milf Manor Minute, coined Milf by Kate. Milf Manor Minute. <laughs> we need a jingle. <laughs> because, Mary Beth. Oh, no. Last okay. week. Uh-huh. Last week, we had the first mother-son pairing leave. And a new pairing come into the house. Oh my god. Uh, okay. You will not believe in a million years, a million years, the woman that walked into the door. Lisa motherfucking Wilcox from Nightmare on Elm Street 4 
Alice, in other words, walked in through the fucking door with her son. <laughs> Wait, your favorite Final Girl specifically? Specifically. Is this real? Walked in through the front door with her son. You know, honestly, not in a million years I would have guessed that. That is not a crossover. Once again, the weird older woman pipeline horror to like reality show pipeline is insane. Wait. <laughs> did the <sighs> I mean like immediately I would have been like, oh cool, so like now it's a nightmare on Elm Street reboot and this has all just been an incredible ruse. It feels like a and fucking honestly, fever dream. I wish that that was man, what if they fucking relaunched a franchise like Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> via reality show and like no one knew. Oh my oh, god, that'd be perfect. Fuck. But what? I don't I don't I don't even know what to say. Uh it was I mean unfortunately, sorry Tony, he kind of spoiled it for me because like he DM'd me uh uh uh, Lisa's post, I keep wanting to call her Alice, Lisa's post on Instagram, and was like, you kind of buried the lead here that, that Alice is on. And I was like, I had no idea. You're like, I didn't know. Just literally showed up this week. Um, what a, what the fuck? <laughs> Worlds colliding. And the fact that it was my favorite final girl is just like, excuse me? Is she a MILF? I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I suppose, she's a, she's, I she's very attractive. <clears throat> I haven't seen any pictures of her. Yeah. Huh. Um, wow. And then the, the the challenge this week, and I don't I I hesitate to call it a challenge, but I guess for some of the boys it was a challenge. They did sex ed. The women led sex ed. Oh my god. They had a giant, um, pretty detailed picture of um, a vagina with labeling instructions without the names. Labeling. <laughs> it's funny you should say that because one of the women asked one of the, the boys, um, where's the labia? And he pointed directly to the vagina, uh, the, the vagina opening. And I was like, okay, I am Kinsey Six Strictly Dickly, and I know more about female anatomy than these, these straight boys. What the fuck? You, okay, I heard someone call themselves a Kinsey Six gay the other day on TikTok, and I've never heard that before. And it's and you just say that it's my fucking favorite. It's just so fucking funny. Sorry, take it away. It's from Easy A. It's from Easy A. That's what I. That's oh, what, that's what I, know I haven't seen mm-hmm. that fucking movie in a minute. Anyway, wait. Also, <laughs> okay, look, Lisa Wilcox, get your bag. However, but oh god, like oh, ooh. so one of the women, and this is this is where I, my face was like. What is happening? One of the women asked for her son uh, to, because like they, the, each of the women comes up and pulls one of the sons. One of the women pulled up her own son and was asking questions. I'm like, this is awkward as and of itself. No, but then someone asks for uh, for um, Lisa's son and um, is asking about like what he does and what his style is. And so, on top of this very big diagram of uh, vagina, there is um, two mannequins. A male and a female mannequin, um, or male and female presenting mannequins, and then there's a bunch of fruit in sexually suggestive shapes, and then there's also sex toys. Come on, guys. Where's the originality? <laughs> and so he he they ask him about his like foreplay technique, and he says <laughs> oh. I'm a big fan of oral. And so he takes an orange, puts it 
down in the the genitalia area on the female mannequin and the camera goes in close on his mouth as he is licking it and using his lips on it and just going to town on that orange <laughs> Perpina says well I guess that Clementine is staying to my lunchbox yeah I was like what 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 is what is happening right now what is happening They have a 90s uh -huh. party, and Joey, the young the boy, Were any of them 20. bored in the 90s? <laughs> well, and I say that as someone who was and is not, is like in her 20s still. Do they any of them remember what the 90s were? Shit. Well, Joey is, is 20, oh and he God. says, and this is his quote, I was, and this is, you're going to need a visual for this, listeners, uh, so if you're not paying for Patreon, I'm sorry, but he says... I was just a sperm sitting in the eggs. And that's what he does. What? Girl, I don't know. I don't know if he meant eggs as in like testicles, but I was like, I don't think that's how it works, dude. <laughs> I know the psychic damage from this discussion will keep me from being able to drive home. I can't even speak Girl, and like, try watching give you reactions. It yeah, I'm like, like, wow, I'm actually rather impressed because I can't even make, I don't even know. Like, I feel like it all just speaks for itself. I don't, <laughs> I'm like that Lisa Simpson meme of her just going, <laughs> like in spanish you can say huevos and meatballs that is true that is a true statement but this this the, i just the don't think that, that i just don't get the vibe of that that kid is maybe that that's smart like no no not not, not to be rude but i just don't get the vibe that they are maybe the brightest bulbs in the box no they're not but jealousy they get to swim with fucking whale shark okay see this is what fucking pisses me off that these fucking people who have no idea how cool it is to do what they're doing get like to go do this shit for on TV when I'm like I would actually appreciate that. Yeah. Fucking fair. You fucking morons get to go. It do was these so things. gorgeous. It was so gorgeous. I'm like oh, a whale shark. I'm so jealous. But yeah, that was my <laughs> milf manner minute. This week was a wow. lot. Wow. Lisa fucking Wilcox. What? Yeah, that's what? insane. Huh. Yeah. Well, that feels like a, just like a fever dream you just told me about. Um. <laughs> but speaking of, I guess, fever dreams, let's let's go with bears on drugs. Okay. So finally I can talk. I'm talking about two titles today that I can finally talk about that I saw a bit ago. And it's like, oh, finally, everything's fucking coming out. So this is obviously Cocaine Bear, mm -hmm. um, which, of, which of the publication of this episode is in theaters. It is what the box says it is. It's a bear that does cocaine and just wreaks havoc upon a bunch of people in the mountains. Uh, <laughs> it, so I initially, okay, when I first watched it, I was initially kind of like, eh, like, it's fine. It's, you mm -hmm. know, it's a bear hunting people down. <laughs> getting interrupted by a train wow. excuse you wow that's how it feels about cocaine bear um but <laughs> it, it's basically a like a drug it's like a com a drug comedy movie with the with the bear on cocaine um and i was like the premise like doesn't you know go as far like, i feel like a party pooper because i was like i i know what this is supposed to be and like i'm not poo-pooing on that but it's just mm -hmm. i was like i just don't know if i if this was maybe perhaps 
like the thing that they wanted it to be. But then I kind of sat on it a little bit and I was like, actually, it is a pretty incredible like parody of drug movies. And okay. like, and I think that once I started thinking about it that way, I kind of was like, okay, wait, I, I get it now. Like I, I, I get it. And I think I watched it at home on my computer. So like I didn't get the full effect because I think this is a really good movie to watch with people because there yeah. are so many, I mean, like, look, the gore is everywhere. Um, it's inc- like some of the kills are like insane. There are parts where I was just like yelling or I wanted to yell. So, I mean, um, I think it's definitely worth seeing in a theater. I think it's going to be okay. really fun to see in a theater. I'm going to th- try to see it this weekend. Yeah. I think it, it's real. it's fun. I think, I think now that I'm like reflecting on it more, I think it's a really good time. It's definitely like more of a, like a drug comedy like drug mm. trafficking gone wrong, tr- like m- comedy with the bear kind of sprinkled in is not doing it justice. There's a, there is a decent amount of bear and gore in it, um, but yeah, so it's fun. It is fun. Like it's just fucking ridiculous. It leans into being ridiculous. Like just okay. Jesse Tyler Ferguson's in the worst wig and mustache I've ever seen. Oh my god! And he's like plays. I didn't know he was in there. He plays a park rate a park. I think it's not a ranger, but somebody just researched in the park at that Margot Martindale's character, who's a park ranger, has a crush on. And there's, like, that whole thing is just, like, really... Their their whole dynamic is very just, like, improving off each other, and it's funny. Um, Carrie Russell is in it. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I think it's it's got, like... I love Elizabeth Banks, but it, it like, borders on, like, a little bit, like, kind of... Imma- I, feel, I feel like she's an old person saying immature humor. But, like... Sometimes, like, poop jokes and, like, stuff mm. like that. And it's not terrible, but it's got, like, that twinge of that in it. So I had a good time. Okay. It's funny. It's got to be really fun to see in a theater. Um, the bear eats a lot of cocaine. Like, there's a lot of the bear on cocaine. A lot of people having, love... like, sh- like standoffs and then a bear. Like, at one point there's a cop, like, sitting on top of, like, a, like, um, like a fucking gazebo. And they're having, like, a classic shoot-off, and then a bear, the bear shows up, and they start sprinkling cocaine around to get the bear away from them. Oh, my God. So they're, God. like, it's, it's like, all these moments of, like, cop shootouts and, like, uh-huh. trying to hide the coke, and then the bear shows up and, like, rips off arms. So, like, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, kind of poking fun at that. It's, like, what if these ridiculous movies had something even more ridiculous in it, and it is a bear who absolutely fucking loves coke? Yeah, I mean, sold it right there for me, honestly. Yeah, it's... It's, like, dumb, but it knows it's dumb. <laughs> you, you know, like, I'm sorry. Like, like it's it's dumb in a good way. It's just ridiculous. It's, like, it's not trying to say anything other than, like... Don't give cocaine to bears? Don't, don't give cocaine to bears. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's Cocaine Bear. Good time. a double feature. <laughs> Seriously, though, I watched them in the same week, and I was like, why am I... This is very weird. It's the year of the bear. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway what about this baz lerman-esque movie that is not directed by baz lerman so i have been wanting to see this for a while uh because it was getting such a divisive reaction from people and so i sat down to watch the three hour and ten minute movie babylon okay cool 
curious to hear your thoughts because I have not seen this yet. <clears throat> I fucking loved it. Really? I okay. I loved it. Okay, okay, okay. I would I... say the first act and the third act is the best. It kind of loses a little bit steam in the okay. opening hour, in the middle hour. But... <laughs> the middle hour? Jesus <laughs> Christ. Ah, yes. The first and third hours were exquisite, but the second hour... <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't go so far as to poo no, it, but it was, but see, here's the thing. This movie opens with, um, a man named, oh my gosh, Manny Torres, Man- Manuel Torres, played by Diego Calva, who is trying to wrangle, um, an elephant up to the house of Jack Conrad, played by Brad Pitt, who is like this huge film producer, film director, actor, big guy that is in film. And he's trying to get this elephant and they hired someone who thought he was getting a horse or bringing a horse up a hill. And there's this giant elephant. They get the elephant on and they're trying to pull this elephant up the hill. And the rope is starting to break and the, the hook is starting to come off. They're trying to run out there and push on the back of this truck. The elephant decides to start shitting all over everyone. And then it ends up rolling back down the hill and it becomes like this whole big thing, which immediately transitions to this party where I don't know how, I don't know how they managed to film this party that is like it feels like hundreds of people in various states of undress fucking um there's a band playing there is this giant elephant that walks in at one point and the camera is just moving from the top of this place down to the bottom it looks so extravagant it looks like a Baz Luhrmann movie come to life in like a different way it's just the scale is so fucking huge it has it's so propulsive in this beginning part i'm laughing margot robbie is drunk and crashing her car into a statue outside and then managing to convince herself to get inside and she's a nobody but she's trying to sell herself off as somebody people are doing drugs there is like it's just it is fucking wild and i was laughing so fucking much and it kind of charts it goes from there immediately to a film set where they're out in the desert and there's like five or six movies all filming within like earshot of each other and they're running out of cameras and Man- Manny is trying to run around and get stuff and it follows him. It follows Margot Robbie's character. It follows Brad Pitt's character. Mm-hmm. And then it follows a couple other miscellaneous characters as they kind of maneuver their way from the silent pictures into talkies and the struggles that happened with actors and, ma- and filmmakers at that time mm. when the Hayes Code starts to get introduced, when um, there's like a bunch of people get kicked to the side. And it kind of shows this idea, this big picture idea of like what it takes to make a film and then how easily disposable you are mm. afterwards. And so the middle section is really important. It just, it, there's such a kinetic energy in this, in that first hour that like, it just, it feels like you just hit the, the, the brakes. It's very important for this little middle section because it really starts to dig into the themes that I think uh, Damien Chazelle is that how you pronounce his last name? Yeah. Was trying I to think. kind of incorporate into his movie. At one point, it turns into a fucking horror movie with like a cameo performance that I'm not going to ruin that like goes into this like underground tunnel that just keeps going deeper and deeper at each level. There's oh. more absurdities happening and it's like horrifying. It's just, it's a wild ass movie that um, I can understand why it doesn't work for everybody, but for me, this was like. This was perfection. I loved this movie. This okay. movie is probably neck and neck with um, Triangle of Sadness is my favorite thing that I watched last year. Wow. Although I watched it this year, but. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I hadn't. I like I've heard a bunch about it, but it was mostly again like Twitter reactions of people being like, "LOL, what is this?" But I lo- so I love Whiplash. His first is like his yeah. first movie. Um, I haven't seen it. I'd never. I didn't see La La Land. It's like the thing I've about some of his stuff is just like it's not just like it's just like not for me. A lot of his work, which is wild because Whiplash I fucking loved, but I I mm-hmm. feel like he. Ha- to me, I haven't seen it, so I think maybe that's prematurely judging. I just feel like not as intense as so, like as what Whiplash was, but I think he's not trying to be that way. I think he is trying to maybe pivot. But I do want to see Babylon. I'm cur- I'm very curious, especially after hearing you like it so much. I loved it. Okay. Okay. It you know he I mean he he also has written some like horror things. He apparently wrote the story for the Last Exorcism Part Two. He also wrote, he wrote Ten, Cloverfield, Ten Lane. Cloverfield Lane. Oh shit! Yeah. And like Whiplash, have you seen Whiplash? Whiplash is a horror movie. I, Whiplash, yeah. I was gonna say Whiplash is a horror movie. Like the writing and the tension in that movie is ridiculous in terms yeah. of just like being the most. Whew. Yeah, this movie made me sad by the end because it, it it shows like. Mm how disposable you are in the in the grand scheme of things yeah and um i thought it was very effective in that regard because i i have not seen la la land but i've heard the la la land kind of makes like a candy colored like representation of hollywood yeah and that's kind of this one starts that way Um. and then does not end that way okay yeah i've heard it's like got a pretty like hoof ending so you know uh purpurina it probably would be a good watch party movie um, I'd have to think about that with intermission because I, I definitely think I, th- I definitely think there are like three concrete points in this. There's the the middle extravagance section and then or the beginning stra- extravagance. And there's the middle where he's trying to build out his theme and introduce all these characters. Um, and then the third is where everything starts to come together. So you probably could put at least two short intermissions in there. OK, probably. All right. Well. But yeah, that was Babylon. I really cool. recommend it. But it's not going to be for everybody. Cool. Haunted houses. Um. So, uh, this is Christopher Landon's new movie. We have Ooh, a ghost. Yeah. This is the new Netflix movie that, again, as of the publication of the episode, it is on Netflix. This is uh, Christopher Landon's latest movie. He did Freaky. He did the both Happy Death Day movies, and he did Paranormal Activity: The Marked Ones, which I feel like people don't mention a lot with him now. But I'm like, never forget. <laughs> he directed a very good part of that franchise, um, and he deserves kudos for that. Anywho, um, the only fr- I've not the, seen that one. The only one that doesn't isn't all about white people living in like affluent houses and big houses. It actually follows like. Um, latinx uh youth and living in an apartment complex rather than it being okay. like anyway this is not paranormal to be a discussion um but this is his newest movie that i feel is very much has very much like steven spielberg like epic kind of coming of age horror-ish movie okay. um i feel there's a lot of similarity it's it's like it's got et vibes a little bit, but oh, okay. Because so the movie follows this family who moves into a new house. Um, Jahee Jahee Dalla Winston plays uh, Kevin, who is like, um, you know, he's kind of the t- the teenager who is upset that they have moved again. Anthony Mackie plays his dad Frank, and then he has his mom and his brother. 
And it's like pretty obvious the dad has had to cause him to move a bunch of times. And so, you know, Kevin's kind of quiet and like, you know, an angsty teenager who likes to play guitar and like everyone makes fun of him. But then he meets the ghost that haunts the house. His name is Ernest. Um, and he's played by David Harbour in perhaps the most on David Harbour role I've ever seen in that he has like this shitty comb over and is like, he has no dialogue. So he doesn't talk the entire movie. He's silent. So like the kind of commanding presence he's known to have is like, is very much softened, which is actually really cool to see him. Like, like look at that range. Um, but instead of just being like a haunted house movie though, it becomes like, oh, his dad, like Frank discovers there's a ghost and they record the ghost and put it on YouTube and it goes viral and everyone learns about Ernest, but then the government learns about Ernest and it becomes this like big, like the government's coming to get Ernest for like, for experimenting and Tignataro plays a scientist who is like leading up these efforts from the CIA to like do ghost experiments and stuff. And like, it's really big in scope, like bigger than his other, a lot of his other films. Um, I think he also probably had much bigger budgets to play with this time, which is awesome. And like for the most part though, it's handled really well. It's two out, it's two hours and seven minutes long. So it's long, but I never really felt the length. I think that there are some parts that like, there's just a lot of characters and a lot of things that are like trying to get resolved at once. So it can be like a little bit kind of like, Oh shit. Like, where are we? in terms of, like, this storyline and this storyline. But I think Landon, for the most part, handles it really well in terms of, like, juggling okay. lots of storylines, but then also really making this really good, incredible relationship between Kevin and Ernest as, like, Kevin has a father figure now, and the, the father figure's a literal fucking ghost. And then it's just, like, it's very sweet. It's not really scary. Like, it's very much, like, kind of gateway horror vibes in that there's, like, a ghost and some spooky stuff, but it's not, like, a horror movie. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not a freaky kind of slasher, and it's not, like, Happy Death Day. It's a little bit more wholesome. But I think Christopher Landon does, like, balance that really well between making kind of, like, these bright, entertaining, kind of fun horror movies that have darker bents to them. I think he's, like, kind of a really good example of someone who knows how to make, like, a really fucking entertaining, good horror movie. And I think that this movie continues to speak to that without being, like, super horror-y, but he knows how to bring okay. in the darker, kind of darker elements. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I wasn't sure what this was going to be like. And it is very Christopher Landon, but with a lot more money. And honestly, good for him. I had a lot of fun watching it. It's very heartwarming. It's very sweet. Yeah. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. Also, uh, former guest of the show, Whitney Ann Adams, yes. did the costume design for Oh, it. she designed the coolest bowling shirt of all time. She keeps posting about <laughs> it, and I'm lo- I love the bowling shirt. Like, it's so good, and I, I guess they handmade a ton of them, so it's just so cool. Okay. Um, so... That's really if you have awesome. a ghost or episode with her, yeah, ghost. She's super cool. And yeah, and Love the costume her. work is awesome. So. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, but then John Waters, John Watersing, John Watersing, John's, wow. Nope. Buffer. <laughs> nope. So this was, um, it, and I didn't realize until literally today that, I had kind of done a, a double feature of movies that felt like other people's movies until today. But um, this was one of my backlog movies recommended by Justin Ordell, friend of the show and also former guest. 
Um, go listen to his episode on Tremors 2. Tremors? Tremors. Not Tremors Tremor, 2. Yeah, Tremors. Tremors. No, that was... Yeah. Tremors 2 is Matthew Monagall as Tremors 2. <laughs> Changed my um, life. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, but this is a little campy um, movie starring Divine. Okay. Starring queer icon Tab Hunter. Starring um, mom from uh, my big fat Greek wedding, wedding, Lainey Kazan. Oh, what the fuck is this? And Jeffrey Lewis, who is a character actor who um, you see in a bunch of things. Uh, I think he was in The Devil's Rejects, actually. Um, he has a very goofy face, Jeffrey Lewis. And this is Lust in the Dust from 1984. Okay. <laughs> It opens up with this song that is like this country singer singing the song, but the lyrics are like, when he's gone too far, he'll plant no seed. He's just a tarnished tumbleweed. And Divine is on a donkey with a bottle full of gin and she and a parasol, and she falls off of it. And she ends up having to go, um, she finds this water, so she's lost her water, she finds this little lake, she jumps into it, and you see on her ass that there's a tattoo of, of, it looks like a map on her butt. And then Tab Hunter shows up playing kind of like this parody of the silent, uh, you know, cowboy figure, and sees her, and they end up going to this town that she's trying to go to, and... They stay in this town for a while. Divine has this, like, talent for um, people want to go down on her, and then she ends up breaking their neck with oh, her thighs. Oh, good for her. <laughs> Damn, son. And they get to this They get to this town, and um, it basically is sort of like a parody of Western. So there's, like, a lot I of... I was going to say, I'm, look, I'm looking at the trait, like, I'm just looking at some images from it, and, like, this just looks like it's... Like a queer like camp making fun of westerns. Yes, and so there Fuck some yeah. of it I don't has definitely not aged incredibly well. It <laughs> oh, probably shocking. at the time shocking. So like there's a <laughs> whole lot of offensive stereotypes in this, but I think that it's kind of playing with them a bit. It doesn't necessarily okay. question all of them okay. because I think it's a parody and not a satire. Yeah, but there is a whole lot of racist tropes in here that are a little um. A lot uncomfortable to watch, but but like okay. Apparently, they had offered this movie to John Waters to direct, but he said no because he didn't write it. <laughs> love, um, love him, love that man. <laughs> eventually, like you find out that uh, they, so they go to this brothel and it's owned by Lainey, Lainey's character. She also, you find out later, has a tattoo of a map on her butt. And when you put them together, it leads to a treasure. Oh. Okay. <laughs> and so there's, like, this outlaw who's trying to get it. And then there's the silent hero that's trying to, to get it. And eventually, by the end of the movie, there's all these different characters all trying to get to this treasure point and have standoffs. And it's very silly. Uh I love Divine so much. She is actually fantastic in this. More drag queens in movies, please and thank you. Um, I just, lo- I just, I loved, I just, I love her presence in. The- I've not actually really seen anything that she'd been in before. Um, yeah. I've not seen Pink Flamingos. Yeah. Oh no, I guess I have. I have. I, I saw um, the movie 
version of Hairspray, the non-musical version. And she's Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like the OG one. The OG one. So yeah. weird that so, that I mean, a musical. Anyway. <laughs> I know. Right? Think about that. Sometimes. A good musical though. One yeah. of the few that I actually like. Um but yeah, so it's it's wild, campy, kind of offensive. Um but it feels like a John Waters movie. All right. And it was it was good. It's from Vinegar Syndrome, or at least they put oh, it out. Okay. I don't know if they still have it. But uh yeah. That was Lust in the Dust. Sick. Okay. Yeah. Worms? So this I'll do this one really quick. I um, Question mark? I watched Layer of the White Worm uh okay. with some friends and Steve over the weekend. Uh two of our friends who are married and have a, a small child. Um, we were like, we've been wanting to watch, so the, his, who am I saying? Um, one of them, her name is Brooke. She was like, I really want to show you Lair of the White Worm. And I was like, I really want to watch it. So we made plans to like order pizza and watch Lair of the White Worm in their house. And I was very excited because it's directed by Ken Russell, um, who did The Devils, which I will be talking about later, uh, in this episode, shockingly. Um, (laughs) but in reference to Chucky. Um, but this is his... <laughs> Sister Agatha. Yeah. So this is his... This is Ken Russell's movie that is an adaptation of a Bram Stoker novel, um, The Lair of the White Worm. And as okay. is expected from Ken Russell, it's fucking weird and it's fucking horny. And it makes little to no sense and it was an incredible experience. Um, basically... Uh, very young Hugh Grant is in this. A very young Peter Capaldi. Oh, wow. um, Peter Capaldi plays an uh, archaeologist who is in a small British town, like a small British village, doing that archaeological dig, and he digs up. This, oh my like, gosh! I'm sorry. My bestie Nikki would love this. She loves. She's in love with Peter Capaldi. And he's like, he's got like Timothy Chalamet like hair. Like he's so hot in this. Like he's he's super oh, no, young. That's not him. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he's it... still a cutie in this movie. Yes. But he unearths this, um, like, weird skull. And basically, this, like, becomes this whole thing about resurrecting, like, an ancient pagan god. And Amanda Donahoe is in this as, like, the sexiest, wildest fucking character who is, like, very sultry and also partly a snake. And it's very hard to explain this movie because it makes not a lot of sense. But there's just a lot of really good outfits. Um, It's, like good weird folk horror it's like if the that found footage movie the borderlands slash final prayer it's kind of like that but campy and insane um it's like a it's like if they took that premise not seriously and had a lot of really weird um a lot of really weird green screen moments that are terribly made (laughs) okay um and it was really good and wild like it's not Ken Russell movies are weird. It's definitely, like, it's not of a level of The Devils, I will say. Like, have you, have you seen The Devils, Terry? I, I, I've, yeah, I so, love like, The Devils. So, like, that insane, like, gorgeous production value, perhaps mm-hmm. not happening as much uh-huh. here. Um, but it's still really fun. Uh, very much Ken Russell saying, like, love to conflate sex and religion together and make really weird things about people fucking and jesus and blood so yeah uh very weird very fun movie to watch with friends um 
and my friend made a dirt pudding for us. <laughs> she Ooh, with made worms. Yes, she's like in honor of worm. We, I made you. We, I made us dirt pudding, and it was fucking delicious. So it was again very good. Like these are my friends who do not really like horror movies, but they like this kind of like horror movie that's mm-hmm. like not scary but just really bizarre. So it's very fun. And a oh, side yeah. note, my my two horror friends that we watched A Dark and the Wicked with saw Skinnamarink. He hated it. She Ooh. loved it. <laughs> he, it was very funny to hear their reactions. Sounds about right. Like, I'm pretty sure that it's a, you talk to two different people and you're going to get two different responses. Yeah, so movie. it was very funny. But yeah, so, Lair of the White Worm, if you want to watch something fucking weird. I actually don't know where you can watch it. Um... Oh, let me see. I'm trying to see if it's... Okay. Oh, it's on Tubi and everything. Okay, cool. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure, but I... Because I had the DVD that I bought when I lived in Chicago. (laughs) And we played... And I got to... We forgot about the beauty of DVD menus. So that was fun. Um, And just as a side note, so that my bestie Nikki doesn't murder me, it's not Peter Capaldi. It's Peter Fascinelli, who who is in the Twilight movies. (laughs) Oh, he's been in a lot more. But I know like, exactly who you're talking about. Wow, the Twilight movies that, unfortunately, well, that those are very different people. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. That's... The moment I saw his picture, I was like, "Oh no, that <laughs> is like, that is not him." Absolutely not. Was like, who That's... is it? I know he was in Twilight. <laughs> I got to get this right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two real different guys. Uh huh. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, well, that sounds like fun. I've always wanted to watch that movie. I've never seen it. So yeah, it's fun. Give it, give it a watch, especially if you have like friends over and you want to just watch something fucking bizarre. But yeah, and wow, we're we are almost done with Chucky. Oh my gosh, we got to pour one out for poor Nadine. Ugh. Poor Nadine. We knew it was coming. We did. We knew she was not going to survive. It's so sad though. But it's really sad. But then now we see that Andy's alive. Mm-hmm. And also, there's a weird Yellow Jackets cult of Chucky dolls in the woods. What the fuck? <laughs> one Chucky, of them is a cannibal that's Chucky been like prime. <laughs> collecting ears. Yeah, one of them is... The bald icon returns. Bald icon from the first episode. He survived the trip over the canyon with Andy, and now he is filleting him alive and eating his um flesh. And we finally get some, get some, not answers, but like acknowledgement of like, oh, what happens when there's no more Chucky dolls left and wanting to be the only Chucky doll left. And also just like how they all interact with each other and kind of know about each other. So that was good, good for my lower brain. Of having, <laughs> and you were, you were right. That fucking therapist lady. I knew it. I love a badass old lady though. She's cool as shit. I love that. We don't cool usually get like a cool old lady like like throwing guns around and like punching the shit out of people. And I appreciate that. I will say, I think that the adults are more interesting to me a little bit than the kids. I, I'm getting that because we're getting, and I think because we're getting more adult in this one because we're getting more of like the sides, like we're getting more of the stuff um, in the back half with like. Tiffany slash and her Tilly slash whatever. I know we talked about that episode being silly, like the the murder mystery episode, but I still think it's a little bit more like engaging than the kids at uh, the boarding school or yeah, the boarding school, in my opinion. I agree. I do think as I was watching this that I that some of this is a little 
I think it verged a little too far into camp for me. Uh, particularly, I guess, the first episode that we watched today where we have Brochuk, the big hulking out dude, fighting the good Chuck. And it's like, a, it was a little too much for me. <laughs> if I'm oh, interesting. Honest. Okay. Okay. Um, and I was like, this is, this is, is losing the plot for me. <laughs> they're like, they're putting, they're putting a lot, a lot in here. Like, there's a lot of things happening. I'm very curious how they're going to be wrapping this up and then how we're going to have a season three because now we're like, what, there's two Chuckies left or no, one Chucky left, right? One, one good guy doll. Sorry. One yeah. good guy doll. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. Chucky is inhabiting Nika, obviously, but then also the one Chucky good, Prime. Chucky Prime is in Nika. And yes. And then there's more Chucky in the good Chucky, who's also evil Chucky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pushes Nadine out the window. And like again, they tell as soon as as soon as, as I think you said the same thing, as soon as she started chasing him up the stairs, it was like, Oh, yeah, here it comes unfortunately because they had in the previous episode with them they had brainwashed one of the chucky dolls into being good and as he's like fighting and and killing the other chucky he's starting to like get his old chuckiness back i guess and by the end of the episode the second episode that we watched episode what six i believe yeah, yeah he's like evil throwing her out of the window i do love that he says something about how like his favorite um killing maneuver is as defenestration because that is such yes a niche word that i don't think a lot of people know but like i just love that he quotes that and just tosses her out the window and i also i continue to love fiona Dorif as Nika slash oh. she's just she's a fucking shining star in this I wish that we had like we're getting more of her now which is good but like she's just so good in the show like in the show especially as she's like, I am one between but to the zone yeah I, I love the when she is doing the Chucky thing and she's yeah. channeling her father um, I also love that her father um is getting to play around with voices a bit more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, like, the good Chucky's got, like, a quieter voice. But then, like, Ch- Chucky, cult, bold Chucky, is, like, has a, a different affect as well. It mm-hmm. is really cool to get to see him play with character. With character. I will say I am kind of afraid that they're kind of maybe finishing up Nika's storyline. I'm wondering. Uh-huh. I will, Yeah. Because I have a feeling, because let's let's be honest, they're not going to destroy the last Chucky doll, because otherwise there would be no more Chucky. So I have a feeling that by the end of this season, Chucky Prime is going to be back in the good di- good guy doll. And I'm wondering what's, what that means for Nika. Yeah. I'm really sad that, that we might not have her anymore, because she is one of my favorites. I think yeah. she is like a shining light in this, in, yeah. in this, in this series, not just the show. Yeah. I agree. Going back to the devils, though, I wanted to just talk yes. about the way that Sister Agatha, is that's her name? like the, the, the Well, no- he calls her Sister, Sister Agatha. That's right, yeah. I, think, I think it's Christine. She she uh, basically worships one of the dolls as, like, God. And it's yes. got very much devil's vibe of, like, the squeaking when she washes his feet. Oh, my God. I made a note note of that. I also love at one point when the good Chucky doll is like, "Don't get get away from me! I'll hurt you!" And the, the little shoes go. Wait, 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 wait. 
like those little moments are just so funny. But the sound I, effects are great. The Wildwick religious ecstasy stuff going on here too is like. And then at one point we get a crucified Chucky doll or like a quasi crucified uh-huh. Chucky doll. So like the religious imagery really is. Whew. Yeah, it's really there. I didn't know that I had maybe a kink for. I mean, maybe it's just Devin Sawa dressed up as as a, a priest, but I was <laughs> like, Father, I, I I'm not Catholic, but I have some confessions to make because <laughs> he's really hot in this. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's an asshole, but he is very hot. So, you know, all is forgiven. But you're right. As you're saying this, like I was thinking about this, the 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 adult characters are a lot more interesting this season than in season one. I feel like, I feel like in season one, they were sort of like made to be. They're gonna die, and so it was like tragic storylines, tragic storylines. Yeah. But I feel like the characters have more to do with this in this episode particularly in the last few episodes it's like it's not that less people are dying but it's like there's not as many like super i feel like impactful deaths yet yet Mm -mm. yet i know we still have two we have two episodes left and it's starting to pick up with nadine but i feel like we don't have as like more people are kind of getting multiple episodes and like living through stuff Mm -hmm. which has been like an interesting kind of tonal shift from just like the absolute massacre of the first season like this one definitely has a lower body count again for now Mm -hmm. i don't know what's gonna happen in the last two episodes who knows oh my god jennifer tilly killing meg tilly oh my god so (laughs) iconic and then jennifer tilly the doll watching and screaming finding out that jennifer tilly has has been trapped in this doll in the fake jennifer tilly but the real body in her house just like this entire time being fed chocolate and writing fan mail yes and (laughs) i did love that they kind of bring in like real life stuff with this because the 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 doll the doll jennifer tilly is talking about how you know she's um doing like family guy voice voice acting oh online po- uh, online poker online poker and and family guy voice acting to pull in the money <laughs> i was like okay i see what you're doing don that's great yep what a treat so yeah the next week we are all caught up on chucky which is wild uh, wild wild ass series seriously good lord but then who are we chatting with on monday mary beth so on Monday, we are chatting with Clayton Jones. He's the co-host of the Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies podcast. And we are talking about Toy Story. Toy Story. Toy Story. A movie that I talk a lot about trauma gave me about my dolls and making sure they all feel loved. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> Good Lord. And you also pulled out Baby, right? I did pull out Baby and I can pull her out again. Here she is. She's always here on my desk saying hello. See, if you're our Patreon subscriber, you could see this beautiful bitch. <laughs> she is beautiful every single way. Single way. Words can't oh my God. Oh my God. ASMR. ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I'm turning red. 
Um, anyway. Holy shit. Attack, 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 attack. You hear the sound in the middle of the night and you're all alone in your house. What do you do? <laughs> Burn the fucker down. <laughs> Run. Just at, like evaporate. Like, just leave. Um, anyway. That parent is no more. He ceased to be. Um. Uh. 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 Yeah. Um, so, listeners, there we go. I was like, "Where'd it go?" I could look at my phone, but I'm gonna get there, and I did. I distracted myself with my with my terrifying baby doll. Uh, so, listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch anything that we watched this week and have thoughts? Did you see so? Did you see Cocaine Bear or Milf Manor or We Have a Ghost? Please let us know. Um, or if you have any suggestions or things we should be covering, you can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. <laughs> and I'm at Gaily Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us, sign up through Patreon, where you could see Baby, and you could see reactions to MILF Manor, and... All of the random shit that happens live for your enjoyment. Thank you, Derek Power, for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. <laughs> and until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.